Welcome to the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast. My name is Heather. And I'm Mark, and we are your co-hosts. And we're here to take a look back into the Jewish roots of our faith. For the way forward in youth ministry discipleship. This podcast is a part of the Youth Cartels Podcast Network. Hey friends, it's Heather here. Welcome back to the show. When We have some special guests on this week, uh, our friends Dan and Jordan from the Flyover Youth Ministry podcast, a podcast that's specializing in small church ministry uh, for youth pastors. And so we've got a super fun discussion with them today about Jesus's ministry in the Galilee and how we can kind of take what we learn about that into the 21st century and apply it to our church ministry context today. So even if you're a large church person, there's definitely elements that we'll be talking about today that you can apply to your ministry, whether it's small groups or other smaller settings where you might be interacting with teenagers and their families. So Mark is going to share with us today a little bit of some fun stuff about Jesus's rural ministry in the Galilee. So Mark, you ready? Yeah, let's get into it. Uh, Dan, Jordan, welcome, by the way. We're so yeah. glad you're here. Yeah, Doing thanks okay? so much. Yep. Oh, yeah. Good, good. Well, when we think about Jesus, it's it's really easy to think about him with a giant crowd of people following him everywhere because the Gospels will always say the crowds or the Amha'aretz or the people of the land were following him everywhere he went. And we tend to contextualize him as being, you know, around tons of people all the time. But actually, Jesus was very much a rural Galilean, and we see his ministry model very much as matching, oh, someone like uh, Bendosa or Hanini in that he has a handful of students or Talmudim that he's raising up to interpret Torah in the very way they live, just like him. But that's apart from really the whole cosmopolitan scribal and Pharisaic temple system in J-Town in Jerusalem, right? Um, Jesus, what? He goes to Caesarea Philippi in one story, and he goes to Jerusalem and things like get real, right? But mm-hmm. other than that, can you, can you think of Jesus like going to a big city on the ancient map, Heather? He spent a lot more time in the rural areas than he did in the larger cities. It's true. For sure. For sure. Yeah. They they even will quantify it as like the Galilean triangle of these like three fishing villages that are in a triangle on yeah. the North Shore of Galilee being his primary, well, hangout and teaching place. Yeah. And do you yeah, think it's... it's do you think it's because the food was better? You know how sometimes you go to like small towns and they have that <laughs> hole in the wall and you're like, this is the oh, best Mexican sure. restaurant I've ever been to. Do you think they had that? Yeah. Like maybe Jesus? I don't know. No was... street tacos, but like here's street <laughs> fish. Fish or, tacos. Taco. Fish what, taco. what about street falafel? Like street falafel straight up in, you know, Beseda or something like that, right? Yeah, it's true. Because you go up from the city and you don't know how far things have been shipped. You could get some awful falafel really <laughs> That's fast. Right. right. That's right. Yeah. Well, seriously, though, Jesus, what I love about Jesus is he seems to prize relationships and specifically loves to encourage people with the fact that the God who hung the stars is very much for the poor, rural, working class people of the land that a lot of the religious leaders looked down on. But Jesus saw great value 
in simplicity, yes. in the region of the Galilee, and in really the prophetic tradition of being in the wilderness with God and being in context set apart from the noisy city sometimes. Yeah, for sure. So we've got a couple of guys on here that are living this. They're living the Galilean rural ministry of Jesus. I'm sure they've been to a few conferences, lots of kids, right, hanging out. But the majority of their time is spent with a small group of kids, loving on them, pouring into them, and doing discipleship in a similar fashion that we see Jesus doing in the first century. So Dan and Jordan, welcome to the show. So Thanks, Mark, for that super awesome stuff about the Galilee. Let's all pray that we can enjoy street falafel with Jesus someday in heaven, shall we? <laughs> we shall. <laughs> yeah. So so Jordan and uh, Dan, you know, we had some questions in regards to small church ministry. So we were curious to know, can you kind of share with us, uh, maybe my question would be is, you know, when it comes to these things that Mark talked about and spending more time with smaller groups of kids how have you helped keep your heart in check when maybe you wanted a bigger stage? Like what's kept you grounded in that? I know we didn't prep you with that question beforehand, but it came to me right now. So what what has kept you grounded in staying faithful uh, to small church ministry? Sure. Uh, that's a that's a great question. And I think that answer is going to vary a lot depending on who you're asking as far as youth ministry, because youth ministry in in this profession is kind of a, a weird animal in that for many people, it is like an on-ramp into quote-unquote real ministry or mm-hmm. big church ministry. Um, and <laughs> thank you for that groan. Uh, yep. But and, and sometimes it's not even that mentality. It's simply um, availability, like a student going through their college years, they're kind of in a community and they've got some free time, um, and they are able to volunteer in that capacity, but then graduation happens, they get their career and their job and they kind of move and stuff. So, um, different answers for different people. But as, as we look at, um, the profession and staying involved with youth ministry, uh, for me, it, it's, understanding that where I'm at now is a calling. Yeah. Um, I think that's been probably the biggest thing because are there bigger places to possibly go? Yeah, there, there are, but, um, and Jesus is a fascinating character study too, because when you look at his ministry, he, well, first of all, he is God. So he's able to do it all literally. Um, but you see him in really large contexts. He's got, you know, the feeding of the thousands of people. That's a, that's a really big setting. But as you were alluding to, um, Mark, he, he also spent a whole lot of time with just his circle, you know, mm-hmm. the 12 yeah. disciples that did life with him. And we see this pattern of just really investing in this small group because you're able to do uh, a lot more depth. You're able to do a lot more intentionality than if you had a whole host to work over. So for me personally, um, I think it's that sense of calling would mm-hmm. be the primary way. Um, and then also kind of Paul's words, um, godliness with contentment is great gain. And sometimes we tie that with finances, but I think that can also be with ministry because we're, we're tempted to look at the greener grass uh, someplace else. But, you know, when you get close to see that grass, you see that there's plenty of brown in the midst of it, too. So um, yeah. I'd say that's kind of my angle for it. But uh, what about you, Dan? Jordan, I'm wondering if this is how you feel when we do our podcast. You just spring 
I just spring unanswered or <laughs> the spur of the moment questions on you. And Sometimes. it's a good question, Heather. And I do agree with Jordan on the, the sense of calling. Like I went into our, uh, I went into seminary with the intention of being uh, an ordained youth pastor. And that's pretty rare in, in our fellowship, in our churches. Um, I know that sometimes uh, pastors have, will take a call and they'll do youth work. They'll be the youth pastor. And, um, you know, that's a different conversation about the titles that your church might give you, youth director, youth worker, youth pastor, whatever. Um, but there's a, an easy uh, element to forget that a lot of times we sometimes base a lot of our success on how many seats are in the pews or um, how many kids show up or how big our youth budget is or the kind of facilities that we have. And uh, I think what Jordan was talking about too with, you know, and, and you too, Mark, the the sense that yeah. Jesus is able to peel off with his disciples so much is because he kept his ministry low key, right? And oh yeah. boy, I've been listening to your podcast and I know that low key <laughs> no, means low, low key in the old people sense. Low yeah. key in the old, old people, people low key. Yeah. Right, yeah. the old yeah, people. Yeah, 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 yeah. For, for us millennials here, low key, <laughs> low key millennial term. No, we're hanging. No, I got you. No, we, I'm picking up what you're putting down. So we have uh, Jesus as he leaves with the disciples, right? They come back after he sent them out on this incredible mission trip, right? Uh, I want you to preach the gospel. Got it. We can do that. Uh, I want you to go heal the sick. Okay. Um, mm, you know, start thinking about the qualifications that the disciples have as like people who can heal. And that's none of us, right? And oh, I want you to cast out demons as well. And what is the response of the disciples? I can't believe it. We did exactly what you said and it worked and we like, we can't. And what does Jesus do immediately after that? Double down? No, he says like, all right, let's go across the lake, little R&R time. And mm. he spends a whole lot of time with this smaller group of people. Could he have added more people? Yeah, yeah you know, he could have. I, I seriously think that as I read the Bible, Jesus is surrounded by not just the 12, but a larger community of people who are also following him. But he spends yeah. time intentionally discipling this smaller group. And it's a reminder, sure. I think, in youth ministry especially, that we can base a lot of our, uh, we start analyzing our success in in ministry when what we really need to be pursuing is health. Mm. And the pursuit of health is more, okay, are people following Jesus? Uh, not how many people come, not how big our budget is, not the kind of uh, facilities that we have or how many fog machines we have going on a particular day. But yeah. Are our kids being grounded in God's word? Are they following Jesus, like an accurate picture of who Jesus is? And if that answer is yes, you know, healthy things have a tendency to grow. Yeah. And I think that the dynamic that you get to see a lot more readily in smaller churches because it is yeah. a smaller community. You don't really get a chance to be the fly on the wall or anonymous. You don't get to just kind of hide away. You, Everybody is right there. Mm -hmm. That's good. I love, I want to pull out a couple things that I heard you guys say that I think are really valuable for our listeners. You know, Jordan, I heard you say it's a calling, right? And so it's really about staying faithful to that calling. And I think that's so mm -hmm. key and important. And, I, and, and then kind of piggybacking off of what Dan says is what we should be pursuing is health, right? It's not this ministry model or ministry success, but really health in personal ministry, in our families, in our homes, in our whatever, in all aspects of life. And that if we're pursuing health and pursuing our calling, 
then we will find what Jordan talked about, that godly contentment, right? And I love that. I love what you guys have pulled out for our listeners. So that's really helpful. So what are kind of some big challenges that you guys face sometimes in small church ministry? And how do you overcome that? What are some things that maybe you could pull out for our listeners today that would encourage them as they deal with uh, some of their contexts? All right. Uh, even the, okay. Well, anyways, um, I think there's some unique things that just happen in a smaller setting that a larger context. If we're talking like mega churches or even just not quite mega churches, multi cell churches, uh, but you can avoid or just maybe it doesn't. It's not that they're not present, but they're easier to hide. Mm-hmm. Um, some challenges. Uh, I'm going to pair these two together because I, I think they can link sometimes. Family ties and politics in the sense that in a small church setting, in a small community, you know, you've got your influential families, Mm -hmm. you know, like these are the pillars of the community, the pillars of the church. And sometimes that means people get treated differently. Um, Or you just have like these inter-family relationships or tensions that you're trying to navigate. Mm. And you've got two cousins that are here. And or if family's not getting along with each other, you can't really avoid it. So... So in that sense, I think there's a lot going on. When I say politics, too, I'm not necessarily talking like Republican or Democrat, although sometimes that does show up. But even just like in in church structure, you know, like, yeah, um, we can't change this thing because this is almost as old in the tradition as. Yeah. Uh, My uh, grandpa yeah, built this gazebo in the front of the church. Don't touch it. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Regardless that it's like rotting and it's yeah. a health hazard. That's right. But, yeah. Yeah. So that'd be that'd you're be gonna, one of the big set us down a, You're going to trigger us into a, a, a soapbox here, Heather. <laughs> I get up with that. No, that's true. And then the question is whether the the powerful family is pro youth ministry or not. Right? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. <laughs> so then, or, or even the senior pastor. Yeah. You know, sometimes you've got a youth worker whose senior pastor isn't. They have like they can say that. Oh yeah, we care about our students, but if they're not very vocal about it or if they're not you know really showing support or going to bat for the youth worker the the youth workers can be uh almost an island like mm-hmm. a youth pastor they could be saying whatever they want and sure yeah, yeah it, it's a, it, it can be a challenge yeah so then dan then my question to kind of to wrap things up for the show today would be what are some of the best things that you see come from small church youth ministry I think some of the better things that we see is, uh, like we've been hitting on, the closeness of the community that we can have. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got in our ministry a pretty good core group of kids. Um, you know, we don't have 40, 50 people show up uh, on a particular Wednesday. Would I, would I love that? Absolutely, I would. You know, all the more people coming in, um, it makes you feel good, right? Sure. Say whatever you want about numbers. Having a full church, it, there, there's a dynamic about that that's that's just incredibly encouraging to see yeah um, you know, and the dodgeball the, is uh, just better yeah <laughs> well but that's the other thing is that with smaller groups sometimes you have a lot more flexibility with scheduling you are able to have yeah. um, a lot closer community you can say like hey um six kids showed up today uh my lesson plan is you know kind of out the door uh, we can save this for next time let's go to you know let's go to casey's and yeah. grabs some ice cream. And for those of you who aren't in the Midwest, Casey's is a gas station that has 
uh, just a little bit of everything. Casey's um, is if you're around, a gift from God. Casey's, <laughs> Casey's is, we don't have Quick Trip, but we definitely have a Casey's. And man, I'll tell you what, you, you grab a breakfast pizza from Casey's and you are set to go. But there's a lot more relational ministry that happens when you have smaller group of kids because these are the kids we have. These yeah. are the kids that God has blessed us with. Yeah, you bet. Um, yeah, that's I, good. I think there is a, a definite fishes and loaves mentality. And this is kind of what I'm building up to is that, you know, we give God what we have, um, <laughs> what little we might think that we have, and we get to see him multiply it so incredibly often. And we see, you know what? Yeah. Our fundraisers, uh, we can try and do all of this fancy stuff and we can try and have all the bells and whistles, but ultimately we see God multiplying what we give him. And, and it's incredibly encouraging to see that taking place in our own ministry. Yeah. And, you know, to be able to have eyes for that so that you can tell the story of your youth ministry to other people in the church, right? The, the, the long time standing old families, like this is what God is doing. This is how we've seen him at work and to get people on board with the mission of your ministry. That is so good. I love that. I love what you just said, Dan, and having the eyes to see the fishes and loaves of the growth of the kids that you're investing in. That is awesome. Yeah. yeah, I think I think honestly, that's probably one of the biggest highlights in smaller co- context is like you, you consider people who might be in charge of like a thousand students and there's there's a prestige to that possibly. But in a smaller setting, you really get to know the students, which sometimes you're just if you're in a large context, you're just leading the leaders. You don't yeah. get to really know the students. But when you get to know all the students and even the whole congregation in a smaller congregation, um, and it's not just knowing the students, but it's being able to watch God work mm-hmm. throughout the time that you're there. And I think that's one of the coolest things when you yeah. see someone and you contrast where they were when they started in middle school and now they're, you know, ready to graduate and they're um, already signed up for like a secret incursion into some country in Asia that they can't say because it's not, you know, they're not able to say, but they're bringing the gospel and it's yeah. just it's so cool to see um, that trajectory I love and be that. able to be a part of that story. I want us to, to hit home on that because I think that's the key is that it's not that I saw growth in my youth ministry, but I saw growth in the people in my youth ministry. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've got to see as I focused on small and as I've cared and given and invested myself and with that fishes and loaves mentality. So guys, this has been a super fun conversation. Mark, anything else from you for the guys here? Are you ready to land the plane? No way. That was great. I don't want to step on it. (laughs) There it is. All right, sweet. Well, hey, thanks for joining us for this episode of the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast. As always, definitely join us on our Facebook group. We would love for you to join us there, First Century Youth Ministry Check out firstcenturyyouthministry.com. Our new parables curriculum is in the store. Whoop, whoop. And then um, we're just finishing up our parables cohort, but be on the lookout for more cohorts in the future. And as always, if you're interested in walking the land of Israel, we have a youth workers only trip planned for August of 2022. So hopefully you'll come hang with us in context. That'd be sweet. So friends, thanks for joining us for this episode. Thanks, Dan. And thank you, Jordan. And definitely check out the Flyover Youth Ministry podcast. They've got a Facebook page and they have their podcast that you can find on Anchor. So friends, thanks for joining us here on this episode and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.